Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the greater Cincinnati area and northern Kentucky and Dayton. Well, today's episode is going to be a little bit of country-oriented, a little bit of longer drive-oriented, a little bit of wild turkey-oriented. No, not whiskey. Wild turkeys, literally, out in the country, and manufactured home-oriented. So, yesterday, as of recording this, meaning yesterday, did an inspection probably the 25th or so manufactured home I have inspected over the past 14 years. And it was actually a lot of fun, especially the drive. In Cincinnati, we are a river city. And when you travel for mm, over 30 minutes on particular highways, you can. You can traverse the city along it and see what's going on and try to keep your eye on the road of course however it does get distracting because it is so beautiful to look at and yesterday was no different it was a decently clear day and i was able to spend about an hour on the road and drive then off uh, was able to get off of the uh, highway 52 is what it is state route 52 and then um cruise on up into what I call a cornfield and wheat and soybean area and the only disappointing thing on this inspection for that drive when I want to see wild turkeys I don't see them well that was yesterday didn't see any when I'm unsuspecting and I'm not ready to get at the, the phone and take a camera out you know t- take a picture I do see them so what's up with that I don't know That being said, I told my wife before I left for this inspection, I said, well, I'm going to try to see a wild turkey and maybe if I can find something to throw in the car and leave the door open and attract one of them, I can take one of them home. Not that he would survive the evening, but he would end up in our crock pot. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody, but at any rate, they do taste incredibly good. If you've never had wild turkey, it's worth it. Um, We were able to get uh, a roll-top desk from an antique dealer out in the country a good bit, and uh, the person gave us some wild turkey meat to take home with us that was frozen, and my wife put it in the crock pot with some barbecue sauce. It was a pretty large thigh, as well as a a, a turkey breast, and uh, it was incredible. Um, Just amazing, amazing taste. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So, getting back to the house, of course I haven't even started the house, but That being said, what are you looking for out in the country when you're looking at a manufactured home? They are a little different. And there are unique things with them. And if you're out in the country, you're probably going to have maybe a cistern. This house had public plumbing. It did have the black ABS um, supply piping. And that's fine. That's generally speaking out in the country for those houses. And then also it had a, a private septic system. So a septic tank. And this one drained um, through filter and then also on out into the creek. We did a visual septic dye test on it. Um, We're able to find out from the county the last time it was emptied. Most of that stuff's online. And, And not just the last time it was emptied, perhaps, but also the last time it was inspected by the county. And then the private company who emptied it, we were able to determine that that was emptied about two years ago. 
That being said, there are some, again, unique things with manufactured homes. I remember um, my grandmother had, in her retirement, she had a manufactured home, double wide. What does a double wide mean? Literally, it means that you have two halves of a house that were manufactured, that were brought in on two trucks, put together on a foundation, um, concrete blocks, usually a block wall, and in this case of this house, uh, a slab foundation that it sat on, which I was very happy about because it made crawling a lot easier than crawling on dirt. And then I remember my grandmother's house, I learned something even before I got into home inspection, and I remember noticing it at the, the seams on the ceiling, and that was that the trim, which connects the, uh, the peak, okay, there was a piece of trim that traversed the length of the peak on the two halves, that had a few little gaps, meaning that there must have been some settlement. So from that point on, the very first manufactured house that I inspected, especially the double-wide ones, I was always looking for seams giving. I was always looking for things moving, shifting, etc. None of that was at yesterday's house. This place, I actually jumped up and down a couple times, and the client saw me do that. Um, I think I cleared at least four inches off, off. Well, I did used to be able to grab the rim playing basketball, but that's not now. That was a long time ago. At any rate... Um, I was jumping up and down um, just to see if there's any movement. Nothing. Not not a bit. I mean, this place was solid. Solid. So those are things that you are looking for. You're making sure that those two halves are put together well. And I'll talk about some things underneath in a minute, but I want to cover a lot of the outside stuff first. This property... And when, you, when you're out in, the, out in the woods a little bit, out in the sticks and the country and so forth, um, not just that the air is, is good and everything seems bigger, but the, the lots are generally bigger too. So this had a creek on it. It had at least a couple acres, if not more. And it had a brand new garage that did not have any doors yet, but it was a, a, a metal, kind of like one of those general steel garages with a nice metal roof, a 100-amp sub-panel, Everything was tip-top shape. There was no complaints about the garage. And you also think about drainage. Boy, do I talk about drainage a lot. Well, it's important. Your foundation needs to be dry, dry, dry. Um, You don't want concrete to absorb water over time. You don't want water in your foundation area, whether it's crawl space or whether it's basement. You don't want that. And for that matter, if you have a slab foundation, man, you need gutters. You need gutter extensions. Sometimes people get slab foundations and they skip the gutters. No, no, no. You do not want water sitting up against your slab foundation, even if you don't have a basement under it or a crawl space, okay? So you definitely want to extend your gutters to at least 7, 10 feet away from the corners of the house. And this particular inspection was a little unique in that we had a first-time home buyer and a first-time home seller. The home seller didn't leave. He followed me around. He was a blanket. And the buyer was so um, new at this also that she didn't realize that she needed to kind of stay with me more and stop talking to him so I can pass stuff on to her. So it made it very difficult. So I had to kind of pull her off a few times over 
you know, away from the, the, the seller and just to make sure that I was able to talk freely with her about things because I don't want that to be a problem with their negotiations. It's very important to have your own private conversations with the inspector. After all, you have paid your inspector to be your consultant, okay? They are a consultant. And so talking about um, the drainage, so he said, well, we, we have a drain in the, in the crawl space. We had that put in. I put that in a couple years ago, and over on the driveway there, you know, I put that big two-inch, di- two-foot diameter um, corrugated black plastic solid tubing tile underneath the driveway and paved over it because we wanted water to go from one side of the driveway to the other and be unimpeded and and it worked great so as I'm explaining to the buyer about there's the highest point in the yard water's going to flow here flow there you want it to go back there to the creek you want it to give a path of least resistance you want your gutter downspouts extended and probably buying two 15 foot pieces of black four inch solid corrugated tile slash tubing and putting those on the four corners and then likewise pulling the mulch back from the foundation and remember I had to explain this in front of the seller also okay so he's thinking I'm criticizing so I really had to make sure that he understood this is an improvement this is something that she should do and I understand you put a drain in and stuff we want to keep water out of under the crawl space you don't want it to go in the crawl space and then reach the drain that defeats the purpose if if in a best case scenario the drain would never be used again right because you want water to drain away from the house completely so i explained pulling the mulch back adding topsoil sloping it away making sure you think about water's going to start from that highest point over there the front left corner of the yard flow towards the front left corner of the house some of it's going to go to the left some of it's going to go to the right and that's what's going to happen you want to give it a path of least resistance to go to the backyard to find its way into that creek perfect in theory of course so that was all explained and the house was 17 years old i haven't said that yet so the house was 17 years old really really solidly built i didn't have any complaints about the way it was built the roof was another story. Um, the roof, I, when I got on the roof and I could see from the ground that each side edge of the roof called rake edge, the rake edge shingles were all beaten up. Now, why were they all beaten up if there's no trees anywhere around the place? Well, stuff hits it, wind, um, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say hail because there was no hail damage on the roof, but it just really was all beaten up. And there was also some some pock marking, which was somewhat real small blisters, okay? Real small blisters where little tiny, tiny chunks of each shingle are missing. And that generally is from overheating, um, just got all dried out over the years. And quite honestly, though you would call a shingle like this a 20-year shingle, I would probably liken it more to a 15 to 20-year shingle because it just really wasn't high quality. And it wasn't a high quality in, in installation, and I'm surprised it lasted 17 years. So I really did, because there was like this big row of nail pops that were caulked over with the black caulking, and there were a few damaged shingles. There was at least one shingle tab missing. 
this roof needed replaced. It needs to be replaced. So I put that in the report. I told the client that. Of course, I had to find a way to get the client away from the seller so I could explain that. And that was something I had to actually save for the very end last thing I said because the seller would not stay away, stay away from the buyer. So I had to babysit two people on that one. So that's okay. Quite all right. That's part of our job. And as a home inspector, you you are part psychologist, part babysitter, part sociologist, um, part counselor, part part contractor, part home inspector. And yeah, I say part because there's a lot of parts you got to play to to put it all in it, it all together, and and you really have to explain things very well and in. In, in a term that you have to figure out what level your client needs. Are they, are they a general contractor who really doesn't need to be explained to a real lower level or, or are they a first time home buyer who says, excuse me, sir, is this little scratch on the wall going to be a problem? Well, then you know you've got to scale back and explain things at a totally different level. Neither here nor there. Um, as far as the rest of the inspection, so the electric t- turned out to be fine. The furnace was 17 years old and the, and the uh, AC or set was 17 years old. Now, what did I determine about the AC and the furnace? I determined that it's an electric system only, not a heat pump. How do you know that? If you have an electric furnace and you have an AC, you would think maybe since you don't have gas or propane or any kind of oil or anything, that it must be a heat pump. No, 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 no. If the air conditioner compressor, the unit outside, does not turn on in heating mode, and there is no other supplemental emergency heating mode, then you basically have an electric furnace, which is to say you have emergency heat at all times, which is just electric heat, which is like taking a hair dryer and making it bigger, and that's basically your furnace. You have an electric coil, the air blows over it, and it cooks the air, heats it up, and that is your <clears throat> forced air electric furnace. That tends to be somewhat expensive in the wintertime and heating, heating season. Just, just saying. So that's what we had. That needed to be cleaned, okay? Hasn't been cleaned in a while, 17 years. Typically, the lifespan of an electric furnace can be pretty lengthy. I've seen them upwards of 40 years. I would probably say somewhere between 20 and 30. The AC... Okay, what, what's the deal with that? Typical lifespan of an AC compressor unit is 15 to 20. Since it was only 45 degrees or even 40 at the inspection, we certainly couldn't run that when it's not 60 degrees. Therefore, since it is 17 years, we really advocated having a qualified HVAC contractor before closing service it and to determine the remaining life in the unit because you certainly don't want to find out in late March or late April when you turn on, late, let's say late April, when you turn on, maybe even May, when you turn on your AC for the first time and it doesn't chill the air real well and you have a problem. Well, that's the risk you have of buying a house this time of year, which is to say at the time of this podcast, it's around the middle of December, okay? So, um... That leaves the crawl space, and, and I'll just blow through the, the kitchen and the bathrooms. There really wasn't anything unusual with those, not a bit. 
Um, things worked fine, wired fine. Windows were a little aged. Some silicon spray or some lubricant on the tracks would make those a little easier to go up and down, but they did function. Crawl space for a manufactured home, there are some unique things you need to take into consideration. You need to look for tie downs. What are tie downs? All right. Imagine, if you will, all those horrible jokes about a tornado in a trailer park. Trailers or manufactured homes are quite light. If air gets underneath them, can lift them off the blocks, and they can move around very easily. They're very light comparatively. So um, tie-downs are these metal straps that are anchored into the concrete or ground in footers, and they're meant to actually anchor or tie down the manufactured home. Those need to be present. I have been in a crawl space where all of them were rusted out and the straps were basically useless and non-existent at that point. That was a really bad scenario because I had to put in the report that suggested new tie-downs be installed, which is not a cheap thing. <coughs> not a cheap thing to do. Excuse me. So we're looking for that. We're looking for insulation. We're looking to see how wet or dry it is. Um, we're looking for the ventilation. We're looking at the ductwork. We're looking at the water pipes. This one was well insulated, had gravel on top of the concrete um, slab foundation, and up against the rear where water would flow from the front, the highest point, like I said, to the rear towards that drain, there was a little bit of mud buildup, dried mud from previous times water had been in the, in the crawl space. I think that may have been left over from previous before the drain was there. That being said, if you extend the downspouts and improve the grading, that should probably also help alleviate a lot of the water, if not all of it, from going in the crawl space. Heavy, heavy rains that can't keep up with that. You may have one or two exceptions, but at least you have the drain. But for most rains, I think the water is going to shed away very nicely because the way it's graded now, because the way the gutter downspouts are going to be present and so forth. And the, and the drain in there is very nice. So those are the things that we're looking for. You also have to make sure that the uh, hitch, yes, for each piece is still there, such that if you had to move it, if you had to turn it into a vehicle again, um, you, that could be done. Uh, so there are other, it, there are some different uh, requirements for manufactured homes that have to be present. Tie downs is very important. So I hope, and, and again, I did not see any wild turkeys. I didn't see any deer. I didn't see any foxes, coyotes. I didn't see anything. I saw two very nice cats inside this house and two very nice dogs. That's about it. Um, I was, I didn't even see any squirrels. It was like, okay, I'm out in the country. Where are the animals? Um, no emu farms, no ostrich farms, no alpaca farms, nothing. Um, I passed a few horses. That's about it. So I was back to looking at the river and on the way back, I certainly kicked on my, uh, Pat Metheny jazz and, uh, best guitarist on the planet as far as I'm concerned, but that's just my opinion. Um, neither here nor there. Um, I hope you've gotten a lot out of this. And if you are inspecting or you are buying, I should say, a house that is a manufactured house, remember there are some specialty things. Make sure your inspector knows about them. And this is not his first 
manufactured home inspection. So quiz him a little bit to make sure he knows what he's doing on that. This has been the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host, Richard McKenzie. Thank you for listening.